Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Wrapping up our, our series here, Live Loved. I just want to say thanks to Larry Idy. He's not in this service. He'll probably be in the next service. He spoke last week. I was kind of jet lagged. I'm so glad he did that. And, and so next, coming this Saturday, Larry is joining with us. We're going to be doing a, a leader day, a leader morning, really. We're having brunch together. And so if you're... You should know about that if you're a leader, if you're a ministry leader, small group leader involved in leadership here. So we do this twice a year. So this Saturday, if you could RSVP, let us know so we can prepare for you to be that. So if, if you could be praying for that day, it's just an opportunity that we're coming together and casting vision ahead for what God has for us here as a church. But today we're wrapping up this series, Live Love. And our, and our heart behind this series has really been this, is that if... If you know that you're loved, you know that you know that you're loved, what it does is it, it brings value, it brings security, it brings confidence, it brings significance, and even shapes your very identity. When you know that you know that you know that you know that you're loved, it really truly can make all the difference in your world and, and the people around you. Simply put is this, if you are loved well, you will love well. Does that make sense? If you are loved well, you will love well. You have the capacity to love because you've been loved. So here's the question as we land the plane on this series. Are you loving well? Are you loving well? Well, how do you know? Have you, are you in a place of really feeling like you're loved? And I say the word feeling is, is that feelings alone are not completely love. That, that's not where completely love is. And, and yet love has feelings, that, but that's not feelings alone. See, real love, as we've been talking about, has been proven. God is the one that proved his love, sent Christ to show his love to us. And so the last few weeks, we've been talking about and emphasizing that Jesus' motive of everything, of his ministry on this earth and beyond, has all been all about love. And when we looked at how it, there's a contrast between the religious culture of that day that was all about rules, where Jesus came not about the rules, except one rule. It was the rule, it was the rule of love. He told us that all the commandments, all the, all the re- requirements, all the instructions, all the rules that are out there, all are encompassed back to love. He, he said it's a, it's, a, it's a vertical love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. And then out of it is a, is a horizontal love, is to love your neighbor as yourself. He says it sums up the law and the prophets and all the rules and everything that goes with it is, is back, to, back to love. He lived it, proclaimed it, and even at the very end of his ministry life on this earth, he summed it up and in fact commanded, if there was anything that Jesus commanded of, was was love. And so I can't think of a better scripture to sum up this, this morning and, and really the series that we've been doing. Focus on the critical last words that Jesus gave at the Last Supper. And he said several things, but he summed up it all 
with, with this. And, and, and this is the, the words of Jesus. This is what he says. Could you read it actually with me today? Come on, let's read this together. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Three times two verses. Do we get it? Do we really, do we, do we really get it? Now, now let's break this down a second. A new command I give you, says. A new command. This is so significant. It can't be overstated that the, the distinguishing mark of the people today, the, the, the people, the, the people of Israel was circumcision. It was a distinguishing mark based on the old covenant. And then Jesus comes and he brings and says, I've got a new covenant with you. And a new covenant comes with this new command. That the mark is going to change. What was distinct of a group of people now is going to change. You are going to be marked differently. It's going to be new. And we've been talking about this, that new means not remodeled, not retrofitted, not new and, and, and re, you know, refurbishing something. No, new means brand new, like nothing new, but new. A new kind of command, a brand that would unify the very behavior of this ecclesia, this church that, that Jesus said that he was forming together. This new command, this new command would, would govern their ethic. It would, it would be the standard against which all behavior would be measured by those who would call Jesus Lord. What was new? Love. Love one another. A brand spanking new commandment. That you must love one another. By this, everyone know you're my disciples. How will people know that you're one of my disciples? Is, is it attending church? Is it singing songs? Is it dropping money in the white bucket? Is it helping those in need? Is it serving in ministry? All those are wonderful things. All those things are really good things to do. But no. All are good, but no. Our proof, three times in two verses, is this. If you would love one another. True disciples are shown and how they love one another. Now I want you to think about this. How simple it is. How easy we can miss it today. But it's so profound. Think about this. People, people out there, you're here enough, care enough to be here, but people out there who want nothing to do with church or church people, people who don't care about the Bible, they don't care about religion, they don't care about Christianity, they had really nothing to do, to do with it, would actually begin to notice that there's a group of people that's different. That the, the group of people, as they see their love for one another, they would look and go, wow, wow, how do, look how they treat each other. Look how they care for one another. Look how they serve their spouse and, and raise their kids. Look how they, they come to work on time. Look, look how they give 100% when they're working. Man, I, I would hire them. I, I would work for them. Heck, I might even let one of them date one of my kids. I might, be, I'm, I'm, I might be even interested in what they're about. Why? Because they're the distinguishing mark was that they, they just have a profound and, 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 and amazing affection and love for one another. 
I might be interested in what they're all about. Let's be clear. This love is not a huggy, kissy, sentimental, verbal affirmation. Nothing wrong with those things. But that is not the encompassing of love. Jesus made love a verb. In fact, he made it an imperative form of a verb. He made it a command. He, 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 he called these guys to, to, to this love. And this love would be beyond and how they would treat one another. The love would be practical. It would be expressed in what they do. Now, Jesus before in the Gospels, he, he quoted what was very known as the, the golden rule. Someone named it the golden rule at some point. And, and you many, many of you know the golden rule is, is, is to do unto others as you would want them to do, be done unto you. That's a great rule. It's a good rule to follow. I mean, as, as you would want people to, do, to love you, you, you would love, love them back. There's nothing wrong with the golden rule. But not the, just the golden rule, but it's actually short of what Jesus ultimately has called us to, to do. Did you know that? See, the golden rule is actually really Old Testament. It's actually transactional. You think of the golden rule as do unto those you want them to do on you. So if, 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 if you would do for me what I want for you, then, then we're working out. But if you don't do what I want, then, and then I'm not really going to do what you want. So there, there becomes a, a, an impasse at times. And you live this, we live this in, a, in a world like that. We, we live in a world that's so much about that. But I would say that Jesus' love took it to a whole nother level. He, he made the message that he had even more resistible. And you, you can almost say that, that Jesus raised the bar to a more platinum level. Okay, there's the golden rule. Well, that's pretty high. Can I give you the platinum rule? This is the platinum rule. He, it's in that, those verses. It, he says, as I have loved you, you must love one another. And in some ways he's saying, this is the platinum rule. Do unto one another as I have done for you. To love in the way Jesus loved you. Not in the way the love that you want to be loved. Not in the way that other people love you. Well, they modeled love. That's great. We'll get to that. But how Jesus loved you. That's how you are to love. He raised it to a whole nother level. The love was, to, was anchored in, not in, a, in, a, in precepts and rules. And again, nothing wrong with having those. But it wasn't enough for them. It was anchored in a person. Which would make it extraordinarily personal for these men seated on it. He just says, as, he says, I want you guys to love. I want you guys to love as I have loved you. Now think about this. At that very moment, that last supper, they're all gathered there. What was going through the minds of the disciples at that time? Were they thinking about the cross? Because that's what I think of when I, as I have loved you. Oh, Jesus, because you, you, you went to the cross. They didn't, there was no cross till the next day. They didn't know that kind of love. They didn't know the sacrificial love. They only know the love as they, Jesus said, love them in the few years before. Think about this. Think of the, the disciples, some of them. Think about, think about how this interaction would have maybe played out. Maybe possibly as they, Jesus says, hey, love as I have loved you. And you know, guys, I've loved you. I've loved each of you individually in different ways. Think about how maybe it was going through their mind. It doesn't say, but maybe, maybe he called some of them out. Maybe he called out Matthew. Hey, Matthew, do you remember the first time we met? You remember you were, you were doing the, the, the tax collecting. Everybody despised you and hated you. And they're really like, you're a low-life person. And I looked at you and I said, come, come follow me. I've got a better plan. And there was a moment you realized that, that you, I was accepting you. And I invited you in. 
Matthew, will you love as I have loved you? Will you love people you know? There's people out there that know what it feels like to be despised and devalued and treated poorly because of whatever they're doing and whatever they've been involved. Will you love people that way as I have loved you? Think of, think of Nathaniel. You don't hear much about Nathaniel, but Nathaniel, he could, he could say to him and say, Nathaniel, you remember when we first met? And you, you, what you said, I heard you say, it was a different place, but I heard because I can hear things. And I, I heard you say, well, you know, Nazareth, who, what good would come from Nazareth? Nathaniel, no, 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 but you dissed me. <laughs> my hometown and my, you know, my people, I mean, but I still accepted you. Even though you were, you discounted me, I still accepted you. Think of it now and these years later. Nathaniel, look at, look at how I've loved you and accepted you. Could you love people that are not like you? Could you love people? Could you think you can speak hope and encouragement? There's, there's possibilities and opportunities for people you don't think likely could have any future. Could you love people that way as I loved you? Can you think of other people? How about, how about Peter? Oh, Peter. Can you imagine him and Jesus and Peter? As I love you, Peter's like, you know, Jesus, we've gone through a lot to get him. Jesus said to him, you know, I called you out of that fishing industry and I called you to be a fisher as a man. And we walked together. Peter, you, you, it was pretty amazing. I remember when I asked people who, who, who people think I am and no one really answered. They looked at each other and then, and then you said it, Peter. You said that, that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. And you got it right. Peter. But a little bit later, as I was sharing that I'm going to have to die and suffer, you're like, no, no, I don't want that to happen, Lord. I don't want that to happen. Nothing could happen to you. And I told you, get behind me, Satan. You remember that moment? He's like, yeah, I remember. I still loved you. Even though you, you got your, your mouth in front of your life sometimes, you, you, I still loved you and I still care for you. Peter, I could you do the same? Could you love the people that I love? Will you be willing to do it? Think about that. These disciples, they're gathered like that. They're understanding that love he had for them. This is how I want you to be loved. I ins- he insisted on it. And he insisted on not for them to just be lovey, touchy, feely loved. He insisted on the love now that they would do something. They would love as he would love. These men gathered that had no idea what was going to happen next. They really didn't know. They were starting to put some pieces together. But you got to know on that last supper, they had no idea that, that, that Jesus would be rested at night, that he would be brutalized all night long in a trial and tortured, and then he would be, be dragged up to the hill the next day and, and crucified and put to death at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At less than 24 hours, they had no idea. They had no idea that even if Jesus had said this would happen, they forgot all about it. But three days later, that he, the early morning in the tomb, that they found that his body was missing and people found it. And then he appeared to them and that he had risen. And 40 days he spent time with them. And then he called them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit because he ascended to heaven. And that day of Pentecost came and the, and the Spirit of God came over them. And what the Spirit of God happened was it was love. It was the love of his spirit that came and it became this movement of love. And it was love in the first century that, that moved this church. It became their very identity. It became, their, it, it became what they leveraged. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a church budget. They didn't have anything. All they have and all the torture and everything they'd gone through, what they had, what they survived out of the first century that we're talking about 2,000 years later, 
is all based on this love for one another. They follow Jesus so closely in so ways. And so Jesus says, as I have loved you, you are now called to love because you have been loved. I've proven that love and now prove your love for me by doing it. By doing it. One of my favorite authors and people, I don't know him personally, a person I would love to meet on the list of my life is a guy named Bob Goff. And I've, and once you know who that is and read some of it, you're just like, oh my gosh, Bob Goff is pretty amazing dude. And he's written a few different books. One of his first books he wrote was called Love Does. And just the title alone is, it says it all. But he, there's so many things he speaks about love and talks about love. But he says this, that love is never stationary. And I love the, I love the double entendre there. That, that love is more than a Hallmark card. It's, and you give on special occasions. And some of you would go, well, doesn't the thought count? It, it does. Send a, you know, little notes matter. But I challenge you with this. And you know this already. But as we land the plane in the series... That it's more than that. Love, real love is shown in action. The motive and everything and the intention's wonderful. But when it comes down to what real love is, love is shown in action. And sim- simply hard to do for us to put it in action. But we so need it in this world. That Jesus says, out of this love, our actions will be to prove our love for him. And who we really are as a follower of Christ is our love for one another. So how do we do that? How do we do it? Well, there's so many things you could share about this. But I just want to leave a few thoughts for us. And my hope and prayer, oh man, when you do these little series on different things, the live love that we kind of wrap it in a little bow and we move on to the next thing. And I'm excited about Jonah next week. We're going to go through the book of Jonah in a new way. I'm excited about that. But I want to just move on to the next thing. If this could be us. If this could be us. If we could be these people that really are known for one thing and one thing only love, that we would do this. How we do it? How do we put feet on, on this? Here's, here's a few thoughts just to leave you as we wrap this up. It's just reminded, love does not, does what religion doesn't. Love does what religion doesn't. See, one of the most painful things I hear over and over again, I still hear it, is how many people, people that are here, people, those of you sitting here and others in other services hear, hear, hear this, is they've been hurt by religion. They actually been hurt by the church, grew up in a church with church people. And I think this is what has happened. And you might be here. You might have been hurt by people that perhaps have the right theology. They believe the right things. They never missed church. They, they knew chapter and verse. They were good folks, all in the outward appearances. But when it came down to that, this is what you felt. You felt devalued. You felt demeaned, you felt demoralized, and you were wounded deeply in some ways. In fact, you could even say, and this is pretty harsh to say, that you experienced religious abuse. You experienced manipulation, shame, and when you didn't fit the mold, boom. You weren't, well, maybe we'd accept you, but not really. And you felt that here in life. You felt that before. It wasn't they didn't believe. 
They had, it had everything to do with how you were treated. And what it did was, in a lot of people, it hardened their heart. And it gave them a great excuse. Hypocrisy gives the great excuse not to believe any longer. And people do that. Oh, bunch of hypocrites. I don't want anything to do with that. The great excuse. Now, just the opposite. Some of you grew up that you were with people and a group of people, maybe your family, people around you. They didn't have a, a perfect set of beliefs. They didn't have the right the- theology. They didn't have it perfect. They didn't even attend church every, every week. But they, but they shaped you in such a way where they loved you. And the, the, the type of love that, that, that Jesus loved us. Might have been a parent, a grandparent, a coach, a teacher, a youth leader. Might have been a Sunday school teacher. Might have been an older mentor. A mentor. But what they did is they loved you in such a way. And I love how the Apostle Paul expresses this is how to love. And this is how he loved others. And, and, and this is how people loved you. Is this? So we care for you, he says, because we love you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives or our, our lives as well. You see, you were profoundly loved and it shaped you for who you are today. And because of that love, there's, you now want to pay it forward. You now want to love in such a way. Again, maybe they didn't get it all right. They made mistakes. But you know what you found with the people that made mistakes that really love you? They admitted they, that they made mistakes and, they for, and you forgave them. And they, they, they asked for that forgiveness. And there was, there was quite a work that God did. And, and they shaped you for who you are. And so now you can love a little bit easier because of that love. And even if you experience pain and hurt and you felt devalued, I want you to know today, we want you here to find that love again, that you can find it in Jesus and what he truly provides. And when you do that, it's, you just outwardly want to give it to others. A couple of weeks back in our, in our small group, I heard this was happening. We were talking about it as a church to, to participate in it. It was a thing called, a ministry called Family Promise. And Family Promise is, is a wonderful program in which churches will take in homeless people, homeless families specifically, and they will help and partner with this ministry to provide for them, not only sh- um, shelter and food and, and just provide for their basic needs, but also empower them to help them find jobs and, and get, get, them, get on their feet again. And our small group and a few of the other small groups in our church here uh, partner with Good News Fellowship in Fernda who are housing the, the people. But because if we had them here, it'd be really rough. You'd rather live outside than inside in this building, by the way. There's not a whole lot of warmth that's here. They had the facilities to be able to have showers and everything for them. And so, but some of our small groups were able to reach out to them. And I'm going, I'm going wow, that's what love does. We actually, we were talking at the end of the, the questions that we have in small group. All of a sudden I realized our group's actually doing this. And what it was is they're doing is this. Love does what is needed. Love, you're like, what do I do? Love just does what is needed. It, it runs to the help. It runs to the place there's a need that's there. Uh, back in college, uh, we had a guest lecture a guy named Dr. Richard Foth, and he quoted another gentleman, but I lo- I, I, I've kept this for years, is this, that love is the accurate estimate and the adequate supply of another person's need. If you ever want to get kind of the practical level of what love, what does love really do? It's accurately estimating 
of where a person's need and adequately supplying to, to, to that need. And I've tested it over the years and actually in, in marriage counseling. I have met with uh, count, countless couples and times and there's always the one theme when couples finally get into my moment they want to meet with me, they're kind of on dire straits. So like the last resort, call the pastor to get some help. Or some of them are smart and going, we're not, we're struggling here, which is a better moment going, we're heading down a road here and we need some help. And so if you're in that place right now, we'd love to get you help. You're thinking, man, things are not good. Always recommend counseling. It's really, really important to do. Don't wait too late for that. But couples have rise things, but they have one theme in common is this, is that they would say to, to me, they would say, well, we just don't, we just don't love each other any longer. I'm like, why don't you love each other? And I'm like, well, we just don't, we just lost the feeling. We lost that love and feeling. And and, I, and I, my response to him is, is this. I, I say to him, I say, I say, well, what's love have to do with it? Sounds like I'm quoting a lot of songs. What does, love, what does love have to do with it? And they kind of look at me like, well, because I said, yeah, love, love is, there's feelings in love, but, but feeling this is not all about love. love. Love is about commitment. Love is about what you do. For one another. And I gave this picture, and maybe this would be helpful for you to kind of like, do we fake it? Do we fake loving each other? And I said, well, kind of. I said, what you could do is, I said, you know, you see a new house that's built, and, and to, you need a strong foundation. And so before you pour the foundation, you need to build the forms, the wood forms for it, because where's that all concrete going to go? It's going to spill all over. You need to, I said, love and action is this, is build, do, act, act like you love each other by building, building the forms of love, and then allow God to pour the concrete of his love, the feelings that would come. Actually, form um, is before feelings, that feelings follow form. And I said, well, why don't, you, why don't you try that out? Think about the ways that you're supposed to, to love each other. Well, and, and then there were a classic kind of couple where the husband worked all day. And one of the things that he appreciated in being loved is that, that there was, a, there was a, a, a cooked dinner in there. And his wife, over time, because of their friction, started, stopped cooking. Like, I'm done. I'm, you're, not, you're not appreciative of what I'm doing. And so I said, well, what if you like, just started making dinner again? What, what would happen? Well, I guess. And then the husband, I said, what if you, what if you, your wife is wanting affection, non-sexual affection. She's wanting, she's wanting attention. What if you actually started doing that? And so the, 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 the wife started cooking dinner and the husband started giving attention to his wife. And pretty soon they, they came back and go, we, we feel like we love each other again. Huh? <laughs> is that kind of manufactured? And no, it's practical. It's practical to do the things that love requires us to do. That's showing love for another. Feelings will follow. And I challenge us all and the people that are close to us, figure out how to love each other. I love the, the five love languages. You might have heard of that. If you go number five, languages.com, you can take a quick quiz. And what language, what, what's your language of love? And we usually have about five of them, five gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service and affection are ways. And, you, and so what you do is you figure out how a person needs to be loved. Some of you give gifts to people, like maybe your spouse, and they don't care about the gifts. Look, honey, I bought you this. I know, but look at the, our budget, right? You know, like, you know, there's other ways to love. Some people love gifts, but some, maybe, maybe, how do you love? So here's, here, here's a great thing. Well, how do I know how to love, how to love them? Ask them, hey, how can I love you best? 
Take the quiz. Say, this is your love language. This is my love language. And this is the thing with love language. Sometimes we project our love language, like, because you love gifts. And so you give gifts. Well, the person that on the other hand, doesn't maybe love gifts. You love gifts, so they, the gift giving for you is good, but maybe it's time, and maybe it's attention, maybe it's words of affirmation or something else. Does that make sense? So love in the way we love, and that's what I love about God. Love, God loved us the way we need to be loved. God, God accurately estimated that I was a sinner, and he adequately supplied Jesus to be my savior. For the same thing for you. Figure out what the need is. It's so practical, isn't it? But with love, this is the time. This is the challenge. How much time do we have to do it? How much energy do we put in there? How do I love everybody? Here, here, here's a, hopefully this will be a liberating thought for you. Love does for, what, for one which we wish we could do for all. Love does for one which we wish we could do for all. You know that we showed the video a few months ago, the, the, the little boy and the starfish and all these starfish. And he's just trying to throw them back into the water. And guy comes along and says, buddy, you're not going to be able to get all these starfish back in the water. And he picked up and in the classic thing, but, I, but this one I saved. And as much as that's cute, it's true. We only can do for some. We can't wish we could do for all, but we're, we can do our, our part, I find in our church, there's so many needs, so many needs. And I'm so glad that we have a church that recognizes that the pastor isn't going to meet everybody's need. If you're looking for that, you're in big trouble. It ain't going to happen, right? I've got my own needs. You have your needs. And I help with where I can help, but I do what I can to do. But if we all did our part to help those in need, that's the beauty of our small groups. That's the beauty of reaching out and doing the one another's that scripture talks about. They're caring for one another. But we can't help everybody. Jesus didn't even help everybody. He was Jesus. Jesus, think about these times. He stepped over people to get the people to help heal a person. He said, I would leave the 99 to rescue the one. And the danger for us and the, all the overwhelming needs in our world is uh, there's so many needs. And, and so how can I help anybody? And so we help nobody. Jesus puts people in our lives saying, that's the person. As you pray and you seek, and if you don't even pray and you don't even seek, it's obviously right in front of you of what you need to do. And we get overwhelmed. And that's why James warns us here. He says this, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action is dead. And I always say love, as Larry shared last week on faith, faith and love work together. It's, it's action that we put into place. We're really showing that we love. It's so critical. And we love and we care for people that God is putting right in front of us. And here's the, here's the challenge. Sometimes we don't get, the, get it in return. And I, I would... Finally, say this, love does not care what is on the other side of the equal sign. Love does not care what's on the other side of the equal side. There's no formula. If I, and we do this in our world, again, it's transactional love. Like if I give and I love this person, I'm going to get love back. Have you discovered that doesn't always work? Have you discovered when you invest and you pour in, believe me, I've been here 10 years, I have poured into people, I have sacrificed at times my own family, my own schedule, my stress, and everything, and people go, um, I don't like you, so we're going to leave. 
I wish I couldn't take it personal, but I do. Because I put so much, and you do the same thing. And it hurts sometimes. And I realize I'm catching myself, wait a second, I'm trying to get something from them. I don't need to expect anything from it. I already got it. I already got the love of God. If God loves me so much and I'm filled with the capacity of that love, I, got, I can just keep giving and giving and giving. And I'm not saying being a martyr, look what all I do and all this. I'm not saying that. That's, that's kind of victim mentality. I'm talking about you care, but you don't care. You're like, I'm just loving people. I'm caring for people. And I'm going, man, that's really God's kingdom. I, I, someone said the other day, I heard this, is that if you're loving with an agenda, it's not love. It's called manipulation. If you love with no agenda, that's true love. And you're not looking for the kickbacks or the feel goods when it comes to it. Now, here's the thing. It's easy to love those that love you. It's very difficult to love people who are not very loving because they don't, they've experienced, as I talked earlier, they've experienced more hurt, especially by the church. If you're representing as a follower of Christ and you go to this church and like, oh man, I've been to church. I grew up in the church. I was hurt by church. Okay, well, could it be different for you? Could it be possibly different that you could love in such a way that reach out? So who is it that you can love? a spouse, a child, a friend, people that are there. Jesus says, calls us to love people that are nothing like us. In fact, he calls us to love people that don't even like us. Because he said this, he goes, I want, you, I want you to do this. I want you to love your enemies. Our enemies? I'm having just a tough time loving people. Like, no, we're called to people that don't even like us to, lo- to love them. That's love because we're not looking for anything in return. And I have learned this about love. It's tough to love. It's tough to love when people don't love you back. Right? It really is. But I, I sit on the promise that the scripture says this, that love never fails. If your heart and your motive is love, it doesn't fail. You can't fail in love when love never fails. I've never had anybody go, you are loving me too much. Don't love, I can't, now you're thinking, well, there's people that have kind of shied away. They've kind of, they pulled away and ignored it. But doesn't mean they're, they, they're, they're not getting it. They're not getting that you really, truly, truly love them. You're not trying to move them into doing something. You just want to care for them. When you love them that way, they will look back and go, hey, you love me. I know I didn't receive that love. I rejected that love, but I want you to know I, I, I appreciate that love. Many times that happens deep down. Every single person wants to be loved and the way, not how you want to be loved or how I want to be loved, how Jesus loved us. Can't fail in love because love Never fails. We're going we're gonna to close here. And as we get ready to close, I stole this book for my wife. We're, we're, she's doing this little devotion. Our son gave, us, gave her this book for her birthday. And we've been kind of doing it as couples kind of devotional. And it's, it's a little different. It's, a, it, uh, it's, it's, it's Imagine Heaven devotional. It's like people that had near-death experiences. And they came back and shared about it. And they put a little devotional book together. It's really interesting and I just wanted to read about this guy named Howard. And it's caught me the other day. We we're going through this about really when it comes down to what really matters. And because one of the things that's, there's a, there's a pattern in all these around day like 87 on this, that the consistency of this is when people have near-death experiences, when they come back, what they say is that they had kind of a life review. They were kind of like, you're going to stand before God moments. And just so you know, you will stand before God. And, and, and there will, you'll be accountable for what you've done. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not, that doesn't get you into heaven or not what you did. It's Jesus that gets you into heaven. It's, it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. But we will be accountable for what we've done on this earth. And Howard makes this comment. He says, he, he says this. He says, he's standing before Jesus. 
And I, I tell you what Jesus told me, he says, to what I asked him about the exact question. He said, if I come back into the world, what, what is my purpose? And before I, he had a chance to answer, I said, you know, I, I'm an artist. I'm going to build you a huge shrine. He said, please don't do that. He goes, I, I, I want to do that. But I'm an artist. That's what I do, you know. I'd be great. It'd be wonderful. People will come from all over the world. And he said, don't do that. I don't need that. And, he, and, and I was, what do you mean you don't need it? There are all kinds of shrines and cathedrals built to you. He said, yeah, well, they're not for me. They're for the people. He says, I have a purpose for you. Your purpose is to love the person that you're with. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay, great. I know that. What, what do you want me to do? He said, no, that's, that's it. And I said, that's it? Love the person I'm with? And he said, that's your whole purpose. And I said, what, what good would, would that do? And he says, it will change the world. As we... Close here. here. Here's closest here. Here's a question. As Jesus loved you, how will you love those you're with this week? I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going I'm to pray here in the moment. I want to read this scripture. And, I, and as I do, though, I want you to think about how are we to love? We're to lo- not love like how, how, uh, how you want to be loved or how other people want. We are called to love as Jesus loved us. He said, this new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And it's that love. How do we love as Jesus loved? Sacrifice and surrender. It's giving our very selves to the people that we're with. Maybe not getting love back. Maybe not in the way we need love, but that's okay because we're already loved. Listen to this closing verse and we'll pray. What, 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 what compels us? For Christ's love compels us because we're not convinced that one, that we are convinced that one, one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. North Bay, we, let's not be known for good music and good messages and warm coffee. Let's leverage the best thing we have is this love that God has given us through his very son, that we would leverage that love into the world that we live and the people that are around us, that people that are cared for are not condemned, people that are accepted or not rejected, people that begin to believe because they found a place to belong because we loved, we love, we love because we know of this love. Jesus there's nothing can compare. There's nothing that can, that can satisfy us more than your love. When your love is in us, it is what transforms us. When we have not been loved, Lord, it's tough to love. But I pray for those here today, and it's specifically, Phil mentioned, I mentioned people being hurt, Lord. God, they're having a tough time of even receiving your love because they've really never experienced true love. And Jesus, you provided that very love. It's out of your love and compelling love that you died for us so we can experience your love. And I pray your spirit right now for those that are feeling empty, that you would fill them right now. And they would say, Jesus, I'm open to your love. Fill me with your love right now. In Jesus' name.
Lord, I receive your love. I don't know what this love's like, but Lord, I want that love. I want in me. I want it. I want it. I want it in me, Lord. Oh, God. And I pray as we open ourselves again to your love and you fill us with that love, we would be filled with the capacity that no one, no out, and as much as there are people around us that love us and care for us, but we don't need their love. We have your love. Their love is wonderful. Their love is receptive. We want to receive it. But God, it's not what keeps us together. It's your love, Lord. And out of that great love, that is what will compel us to sacrifice and to surrender, to reach out to people that desperately, desperately need your love. God, as we, we pray, Lord, that, God, that we celebrate that love that's in us, Lord, your wonderful, amazing, extravagant, reckless love that you have for us, that we would love. And the world will know that you're, we are your disciples of the love that's in us that we share with each other here. And people will be breaking down the doors to get in because of it, God. May that be the case, Lord. Do that in us. Do that through us, we pray in Jesus' name.